Content on this production is for entertainment and informational purposes only. It is not medical advice, nor is it intended to substitute medical treatment or diagnosis. Seek medical help if you believe that you are suffering from a mental illness or are a threat to yourself or others. By using any or all of the information provided, you do so at your own risk. Any application of the material is at the listener's discretion and is his or her sole responsibility. Everybody, Doc Brian here, and welcome to Doc Talks, where we talk about life's troubles, tribulations, and triumphs, and just life in general as as we develop and, and mature and go through life together. And today I have with me uh, Stuart Fullerton, who uh, evidently was at one time a fellow Arkansan. <laughs> so uh, hopefully you'll be the first guest that doesn't make fun of my quote unquote accent. No, I'm jealous of your accent. <laughs> I got rid of mine and I regret it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know, I say I don't have an accent. Y- y'all have an accent. You, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's the way it works. <laughs> so uh, tell me a little bit about what you're doing now uh, here in New York. Yeah. So I moved to New York right after college in 2015. And I've worked pretty much every job in New York to support. I do stand up comedy on mm-hmm. the side. So that's like why I'm here. I definitely, as an Arkansan, find New York incredibly overwhelming, (laughs) but I like it here a lot. So, yeah, I've been here for about five years. Right. So I told my Uber driver yesterday, which New York's the first place I've ever Ubered. I know. (laughs) uh, Because I have this anxiety about having to be in control in the car. Oh, okay. And so I'm just like, okay, crazy. And... This girl is walking, you know, there's bicycles just going everywhere and people walking. Yeah. And, and this girl like walks right out in front of us and the Uber just stops. And I was like, she should have stopped. She you know, this, stopped. this isn't how this works. And I, and I told the Uber driver, I was like, now I could <laughs> not drive in this kind of traffic. And he was like, what traffic? It is literally dead here. And I'm going, then I definitely <laughs> could, not. could not do this at all. Uh, so I, I 100% agree with you that it is a, a little busy. It's very and, busy. And, and makes me anxious. Uh, but I, I have noticed just, uh, I'm staying down around Times Square, uh-huh. and I have noticed the plethora of different personalities and people yes. and, uh, is a, a melting pot. Of of all different culture and and very diverse. So uh, we can appreciate that about the city as opposed to where we grew up, where, you know, (laughs) it was uh, suburban, if you will, Arkansas. Yeah. Uh, If that even makes sense, is there really a suburbia of Arkansas? I mean, I technically grew up in the suburbs, I guess. I think it's just a a lots of different suburbs, you know, like no one actually lives like downtown. Right. You know? And if you do, it's because they have a job downtown. Yes. And they're very young and not married and don't have a family. Or they're like trying to be trendy and like yeah. make it like, I, I don't know if you've heard this, but people are referring to like areas of Little Rock as like Soma and like E6. And yes. I'm like, oh my God. It is, it is so ridiculous, which I live, I live in North Little Rock. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, they have their different communities of like Levy and Argenta yes. and Dogtown. I love Argenta. You know, all of that, that kind of stuff. So uh, it's very different than, than it is here. Even being here the last couple of days have been quite the culture shock. I know. Well, don't you think New York kind of gives you anxiety? Yes. Like everyone's rushing Absolutely. around all the time. You're like, oh my gosh, yeah. even if I didn't have it before. But then too, like, okay, something is three blocks away. I could walk that. But then you get an Uber and it takes 30 minutes 30, I know. to get I know. three blocks. And I was like, could I have walked that in 30? Would I want to have walked right? that? <laughs> you know, so uh, it, it is quite different. So you uh, were, were raised in Little Rock or was yes. it Hot Springs area? No, I was okay. raised in um, West Little Rock, okay. technically. Okay. I do love Hot Springs, though. Okay. Yeah, it's a Hot Springs is a very nostalgic yes. type of— It's my favorite place. <laughs> —something you would never see before. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of, that kind of thing. So— you know, someone the other day uh, said, well, I've never been to Little Rock. And I said, well, 
don't really waste your time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Clinton Library is there. Like... <laughs> you know, so that that's about the uh, the craziest thing that right. is that is there. And it's funny though, uh, our listeners can Google the Clinton Library. It kind of looks like a trailer house. It's yeah, it's that was said a ton when it first got built. Like mm-hmm. everyone's like, it looks like a trailer and it does. And it does. I was so sad for Bill. I was like, yeah. it's supposed to be like a bridge. Like mm-hmm. he said it was like a bridge, you know, right. but it looks like a full trailer. Park. Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Uh, and and you, it's just, well, we'll have that conversation a whole other time. All, all uh, we could sit here and talk about our uh, inconsistencies in Arkansas yeah. uh, all day long. Uh, but I, what if you were raised in, in West Little Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a little bit about growing up, what that was like. Yeah, I grew up in a neighborhood in West Little Rock, super suburban, super white, everyone. Yeah. And I, both of my parents were teachers. So I went to school until uh, third grade at a school with like all my friends that lived in that neighborhood. And then my parents actually ended up switching me to a school downtown Little Rock, which was more like diverse. Yeah, I grew up, I was super busy growing up. My, I danced a lot. I was like into dance and theater and stuff. So I was always doing that kind of stuff. So I'm just interested. What school did you go to? So I went to Baker and then I switched to Gibbs. Okay. Do you know what Gibbs is? Yes. Yes. It's like super progressive Mm -hmm. and like it was super diverse. We like took French and like had like science class in the garden. I'm pretty sure our teachers were smoking weed, but (laughs) it was fine. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So the move there was that on purpose? Honestly, I've tried to like make it dramatic and be like, why did we leave? But Mm -hmm. my mom has said a million times, like, we just wanted you guys to have a more diverse schooling. Okay. So as an adult, how do you interpret that? I actually interpret it. So my dad was a middle, my mom was a teacher at Robinson and my dad was the principal of Horace Mann before I went there. And I think that my parents actually were like the only liberals around mm-hmm. now like looking back mm-hmm. and I but just liberals were completely different then totally than, di- like they didn't than, talk about it right like, it right. was not allowed to be talked about like right. I did not know my parents voted for gore or whatever right. you know what I right. mean like that kind of thing so or Jim got Tucker or yes yeah. yes exactly um now of course my mom is like a raging liberal mm-hmm. like all over social media all that stuff but yeah I think Honestly, I think it was a good call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were just trying to get me more into like the public school life because right. my first school was just so like literally all white people. Right. And like right. it wasn't a private school, but it seemed like a private school. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Baker still it's still there, right? I think so. Yeah. Uh, but it is kind of that suburban era. Uh, yeah. Caucasian. Yes. School. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I do think that there needs to be more inclusion and um, diversity, even within our public schools in, I, in yeah. that area. Uh, I don't know if you know this, I, uh, but uh, the state of Arkansas actually took over Little Rock School District. They I removed, do know about this. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And so now they have all of these things that if Little Rock wants to take it back over, they've got to do these things. Yeah. And one of those things is to make all of their schools a community center uh, where oh. it's kind of the hub of all of the enterprise in that community. So there would be like community gardens. There would be uh, AA or NA there. There would be, you know, uh, after school programs, all of that kind of stuff. So uh, it would create more diversity simply because there are more things offered. Right. And so, and as you know, probably growing up, up in a public school where there were options, it was kind of a, a thing to get school choice to go to the school you wanted your kids to go to. Right. As yeah. opposed to where I grew up uh, in Magazine, Arkansas, uh, where there were like 15 in my graduating class. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, I started in kindergarten with the same people that I graduated with. And, you, you know, that you didn't go to another school. That wasn't even on our radar. Yeah. Uh, as to as to how that that took place. So uh, siblings. Yes, I have a younger sister. Okay. And she moved schools at the same time as me. Yeah, she's three years younger than me. She actually lives in London. Oh, wow. Now. Yeah. She's Arkansas, like this, right? London, Arkansas. Right? No, <laughs> London, England. Oh, excuse me. But we actually drove through 
drove past London, Arkansas. She uh-huh. like took all these pictures of, right. this, of the exit sign. <laughs> right. So if you don't know a lot about Arkansas, we have a London. And a Paris. We have a Paris. We have an England. Yes. Uh, we have a Palestine. Um, I do, yes. And a Damascus. Mm-hmm. So there are all of these foreign names. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> someone once said that Arkansas is the state that borrowed everyone else's names. Yeah. And, and not very original in, in a lot of context. So, <laughs> uh, so growing up, when we get into kind of adolescent years, what are some things that really stick out as a child that, you know, because a lot of times there, there are things that just really are in the forefront of our memory. Uh, and there are other things that's kind of repressed. And yeah, if we think about it, we we can pull that forward. But when you think of your childhood, what are a couple of things that you recall happened that were either joyous times or or tragic times? Yeah, um, I guess. So my mom, me and my mom have like a pretty bad relationship. I'm trying, I'm working on it. But she's like very weird. Um, but when me, me and my sister were both redheads and our childhood was very like, picturesque like she like would dress us up in these costumes and we'd go to like Y Mountain take like a million (laughs) photos like every year my mom would have like a calendar of like us like doing different things but then like the there was no like actual maternal Mm -hmm. instinct from her like we definitely it was pretty much just like me and my sister like playing Barbies all the time and we read all the time like I would just be like in my room reading pretty much all the time But yeah, my mom was very like hands on and like super protective. Like when we were little, we were not allowed to eat any, any candy like at all. Like not like nothing. How did you survive? So I would go to friends' houses and then like, (laughs) like I have one of my friend's moms told me that one day she like walked into the kitchen and I was like sitting on their counter in like the cutest little dress. And I just had like chocolate all over my face and I had eaten like a whole thing of Oreos. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I would just like go to my friend's houses. I also we also weren't allowed to watch TV. Mm-hmm. We didn't even have a TV in the house. That's interesting. So I would just go to friends' houses and literally I wouldn't be able to look away from the TV. I'd be like, this is amazing. <laughs> wow. So that's kind of like things that stick out from my childhood. My my dad's parents live in or lived in Harrison, Arkansas. And then my mom's side lived in Shreveport, Louisiana. But we would be with or my mom's side a lot. Like my grandma would come into town almost every week to like do something and take care of us. And Right. So that kind of goes with the old adage, um, a son is a son once in his wife until he, once yeah. in his life until he takes totally, a wife. Totally. And I think that side of our family has like kind of always resented us for like, they definitely like think, yeah, it's weird. Because I, I know I even... My in-laws live in Salisaw, mm-hmm. Oklahoma, uh, and of course my parents live there in, in uh, Boonville. Uh, but my parents being an hour closer, we go to Salisaw way more yeah. than we go to Boonville. And uh, yeah, I mean that's just kind of how it goes. I yeah. mean you can't just like, I mean there's only enough, only a certain amount of holidays. You know you can't. It gets difficult. It does. And and even though, you know, here in New York, two hours away seems like a I long know. way, but, you know, that's a an afternoon trip kind of Oh, my gosh. People, ordeal. like a five-hour drive to me is short because right. of the South. But, like, here people are like, if it's two hours, they're yeah. like, <gasps> Well, if it's over three hours, I'm flying. I'm I just, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not putting up with any of that. Uh, talking about your mother was kind of dis- detached. Yeah, very detached. Did you realize that she was detached then growing up, or was it not until you were older yeah. that you really began to see that? I realized because, so my mom actually doesn't really have a relationship with her side of the family now, okay. and I always really preferred my dad. Like, me and my dad were, like, friends, and my mom, I was kind of like, why are you here? Your dad, though, passed away. Yes. So when I was 14, he died of a drug overdose. Okay. So at 14, that was uh, old enough to experience all the emotion that comes with that. Uh, Were you aware of a drug issue? So it kind of went on for like three years. I, I really still to this day don't know like exactly the extent of it. But two years before he died... He was in rehab, but we were told that it was, like, for his back. 
So we like literally went to visit him in drug rehab and we thought it was like. Which it could have been. I mean, he could have had a chronic back problem. That yeah, but once he you was... met all the weirdos there, I gotcha. was like, okay, I should have known. Right. Well, but he could be abusing pain medicine. So he was in a rehab. So yeah, that's yeah. actually how it started gotcha. actually is he had back problems and then the pain right. medication started getting out of hand. And then I guess he ended up getting addicted to cocaine. And then that's actually how he died. Uh, you know, chronic pain is terrible. Mm -hmm. And yes, we need opioids to, to help with that pain. But it's just like anything else. After you begin using it, you just have to have more. You just have to, yeah, you, it, and, you can't stop. And then you get so much that it still doesn't help. And then you're afraid that taking so much of this, you know, Oxycontin yeah. or hydrocodone or whatever it is, then you it might kill you. And so you say, well, let's try meth or let's try cocaine because I, know. I wouldn't have to take as much of that. I could microdose yeah. and, and be okay. And then it's just a slippery slope yeah. from there. Uh, and then at the end of the day, you still have the chronic pain. I know. You know? It's, it's a, life is so hard. <laughs> it is. It is. And, and there's not really a good solution. You know, know, when it comes to that. And it's so sad because most of our people, uh, well, probably shouldn't say most, but some people who are, are users or addicts are that way because of a medical problem yeah. that, that can't be appropriately handled. Yeah. And, and it's so sad that, that with all of the, uh, you know, research and design that we have mm -hmm. that we've not figured out a way I know. to make it better. I know. Uh, and then, you know, even with chronic pain, uh, you're more apt to depression because yeah. you're always hurting. And, and uh, so it just kind of is, is one into another. And before you know it, it's spiraled out of control. Yeah. So with your dad passing and, and, you're saying that you preferred your dad more. Yeah. How did that kind of unravel everything? Yeah, it was pretty bad. So my mom just like pretty much to this day refuses to talk about any any of this. And uh, yeah, me and my mom fought like create like from pretty much from like the day my dad died until I went to college. And even still to this day, me and my mom, well, but especially in high school, we just like screamed at each other all day, every day, pretty much. <laughs> okay. So was it always screaming or did it ever get physical or? Yeah. My mom was very physical. Okay. She would definitely hit us a lot, <laughs> but I can't tell if that's Southern or like abuse. <laughs> yeah. There, there is a fine line there. Yeah. That is, is difficult. Uh, you know, I, I remember several months ago I was in, in Walmart or Sam's. I don't know. I guess that's insignificant, but this this uh, kid went up and hit some his sister or something, and the mom instinctively slapped him and said, "We don't hit." And I'm going, "But <laughs> you, you just <laughs> hit." You know how confusing <laughs> is that to this six or seven year old? Oh my gosh! So that's it, something my mom would do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so you know, we we kind of do these things in in the South, particularly. Uh, almost involuntarily, yeah. Uh, because that's just what we know. That's how we know to react. Yeah. So, how did you feel that void with your father leaving? Um, with friends. Okay. Like I've always been the type of person that has like a million friends. Okay. I pretty much tried to never be at home. Well, you couldn't watch TV or I know candy. I had no TV or candy or anything. <laughs> like, why would I want to be at home? Yeah. And then my mom's screaming at me all the time. So, yeah, I pretty much. And then I was also like super busy. I was doing like theater, dance stuff. I was very involved in school a lot of the time. I think my dad died in the next year I went to I started high school. So I was pr very involved in high school. Okay. And I never was someone that hated school. I was like thrilled. I'm, I'm not like I wasn't good at school, but I was thrilled to be there. You know, just from the outside looking in. It would seem like school would be a better place to be. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, and yeah. and you were getting attention, appropriate amounts of attention. Oh yeah, that's I didn't say that, but yeah, it was definitely attention helped. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there's actually a book uh, by Dr. Susan Forward, I believe. Don't quote me on that. And it's the title of the book is 
uh, Mothers Who Can't Love. And, and it talks, it's a healing guide for daughters and for sons, but it affects more daughter yeah. relationships uh, of having mothers that have no maternal instinct. Yeah, I definitely need to read something like that. Yeah. Uh, it's a great book. I would I would rec- recommend it to anyone who has that type of attachment issue yeah. uh, uh, growing up. So you said your your relationship with your mother now is even the same. It's still bad, yeah. And I actually really try and I've I've done a lot of like well, I don't know how much I've actually tried. <laughs> she's she's just very she's gotten worse too with like older age and she mm-hmm. lives alone, doesn't really leave her house, spends all of her time on like Facebook and like stuff and I just think she doesn't she's just stubborn. Like she has no reason to change or like mm-hmm. be nice or slightly normal so she's just kind of gotten worse that way my tactic kind of with her is just to I just kind of never because I've I've, I sense and I really truly don't know and I haven't looked into this but I kind of sense like bipolar tendencies with her like Mm -hmm. she'll either be in like the best mood ever or it's like a full screaming like freak out so I just try to keep it always even with her and I never get too like I never get too happy or like Mm -hmm. too you know it's always like a pendulum. So would you go and spend time with her or are around her for a period of time? Do you kind of get anxiety and depression? Yes. So I had not ever been spending time with her. Like as soon as I went to college, it was like holidays only, like Christmas, not even Thanksgiving, like Christmas only, Mm -hmm. maybe like one vacation every once in a while that of course she like pays for, (laughs) like I wasn't doing it voluntarily. But in the pandemic, I just went home for three months and was with her. And yeah, it was pretty, it was bad. <laughs> so when you say bad, like, give me an example of, of something that happened during that time. Like one thing will go wrong and she'll just like scream for days. So like there was like a flat tire on her car. And so like that was just like three days of me kind of like hiding in my room. So it was more like a three-day rage yeah, over any and everything that was caused or started or precipitated by a flat tire. Yes. Or was it three days of screaming about, I don't know why the tire went flat. I This was so inconvenient, you know. Yeah, that, that okay. more. So it was more of focused on what precipitated the rage and the anger as opposed to just anything made her angry. It's kind of like both. I can't really describe it. Yeah. The, the tire was bad. She also, my sister actually ended up coming home and she did like a whole cleaning. She'll like clean. She's like a full hoarder. So she like will clean whenever someone comes, she'll like hide everything pretty Mm -hmm. much. And that was like three days of like all anxiety, like all hands on deck, like her freaking out. And then she, if you're if you're there, then she'll take it out on you. If you're not there, then it's almost worse after. So a lot of times I'd just, like, leave. I'd be like, I'm going to get out of this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with her, I have to, like, bring a buffer, too. Like, I'll have to bring a friend a lot so that she doesn't. So she yeah, that always little, helps. Yeah, that's um, something I've learned. Because she probably doesn't want to project this anger and rage to someone else to expose. Oh, yeah. She's very, like, uh, secretive. Like, nothing, she doesn't want anyone... It's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy because it's like people find out she's crazy even more because mm-hmm. she's trying to, like, hide it. So, you know what I mean? Right, right. So, you graduate from high school. You immediately go to college? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you packed your stuff up the night before graduation and then... Yes. <laughs> I, I did the same thing. So. Yes. I was thrilled to go to college. Right. Yeah. And you went to University of Utah? Yeah. That was really random. And I honestly, I got a pretty decent scholarship there. And then also my dad's life insurance helped pay. So which is, thank God, I'm not, I don't have student loans. But yeah, my mom actually grew up part time. Like she grew up going to Utah a lot. And then I was just auditioning for schools for musical theater. And I really liked the snow and kind of I had skied because we never get snow in Arkansas right exactly and I thought of course now I'm like I hate the cold I'd rather be in Arkansas always but yeah I just ended up going there it was looking back I'm like that was so random that I went there probably one of the best things you've ever done yeah 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 I loved college so as a musical theater major what actually does that entail 
Yeah, so I pretty much was in like dance, singing, and like acting classes all through college. I took very basic like prerequisites. Like I took like one Spanish class and then like one English class, but it was pretty much all performing classes. I really enjoyed it. I kind of always knew I didn't fully want to do musical theater. I kind of was just like always funny and it just was like where my life led. But Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I mean, I liked it in college. Uh, But once again, uh, and I, I find myself repeating this every podcast, but it's just so important, is that before you go to college, you really need to decide what your end game is going to be with that degree. Yes. And and I, I harp on this all the time that college is not for everybody. I yeah, I agree. and you know one of the questions that I'm asked a lot is, you know, is getting a bachelor's of psychology worth it? Mm-hmm. And my answer is it depends on what you're wanting to do. Yeah. Well, I want to be a therapist. Okay. Bachelor's of psychology is good, but no, that's not going to make you a therapist. You're going to have to go into a master's program. Yes. Uh, because with a, you know, a bachelor's of psychology, you could be a bartender or a waiter or yeah. a secretary. I mean, the HR, that kind totally. of thing. And and so people kind of get skewed about what that degree process is. Um, and they're like, well, I love psychology. Well, good yeah. for you. You know, good for you. And, and it seems more like this generation – is more interested in psychology than yeah, previous. Yeah, I, I mean, you're probably going to kill me for saying this, but it's like <laughs> the amount of Real Housewives I watch, I'm like, I'm not, wa- I'm watching that for the psychology, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm watching that being like, why are you the way you are, mm-hmm. you know? And I, we love reality TV, I mm-hmm. think, for that reason. Yeah. We read, like, horoscope stuff just to be like, this is what I do, you know? Well, we feed... Well, I say we. I'm not a part of that younger generation, but they feed off a of drama. Yes. And and I, 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 at my age, I'm I don't want drama. You know, I, know. I, I hear enough as it is. I don't I don't need all of that in in my life. So yeah. so as graduating then with a, I assume you completed your degree. Mm-hmm. Where did you go from there? How did you get to New York? So I just pretty much was like, I'm moving to New York after college. And musical theater is the same with what you were talking about. Like, I would have had to put in tons more work, like definitely maybe go to grad school for, you know, if I Mm -hmm. really wanted to be even the slightest something. Um, But a few of my friends who still do musical theater to this day were all going to move to New York. And I was like, I'm just going to move to New York immediately after college and not even let myself question it. I'm just going to go. So then I did, and I, yeah, been here ever since. And, and how long have you been here in New York? Five years. Five years. Mm-hmm. So how have you grown in your art being here in New York? Yeah, I pretty much, I just kind of do it all the time. And, well, I really enjoy comedy because you get to, you are your own boss pretty much. Mm-hmm. So, like, I can, like, if I do badly or if I miss a day then I know it's on me to get back you know where I feel like something like theater is just so you have no control like if you're really someone that like grew up doing musical theater moves to New York you might perform once a year and that's either something you paid to do or an audition where you probably didn't get called back you know so I love comedy because I can actually go out every single night if I want to. There's always something happening, especially in a city like New York. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. As a comedian here, that probably isn't your main source of income. No. So I work as an executive assistant during the day okay. at a hedge fund. Okay. so And I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> but it sustains your ability to, yeah. to experience the, yes. the comediate arts. Um, did I just say comediate? Comediate Is arts. that a word? Comediate arts. Comediate. <laughs> it's almost like come idiot. That's psychology degree. Come idiot. <laughs> we make up words all the time. It's okay. Uh, which it kind of makes sense, I guess. Comedic. Comedic arts. Comedic arts. Yeah. I yes. said comedian. It's the Arkansas thing. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. what it's we a, say in Arkansas. <laughs> exactly. That's how we say it down there. <laughs> That's how y'all say it. Uh, yes. <laughs> so you hate your day job, mm-hmm. but you realize that it has to be done. Yes. I mean, I wish I had like support 
like financially otherwise, then I wouldn't have to do that. And I would definitely make my life better. But I know that I just have to work, you know, get health insurance and work a day job for as long as possible until I really can't do it anymore. So what is your dream? What is your what is your go to that this is what I really want to accomplish? I really want to be success. I really want to be like my comedy is my full time job, not specifically like performing stand up. Like it could be acting in some way. It could be like hosting, podcasting, any of that. I just would like that to be my full time job. Okay. Yeah. So you started to say successful uh, and a lot of people say, I want to be successful, but what really is successful? I don't really know, but I decided that I, it means that I am what I want to do, which is comedy, storytelling, theater, acting in some form. That is my primary source of income, I think. Okay. So your dream job, if you could do whatever it is right now in whatever show or series or, or theater production, if you, I said right now, I could make anything that you wanted to do one thing happen, what would that one thing be? I guess I would definitely have like a talk show. Okay. And what would you talk about? I would talk about like pop culture, news, funny things, talk about my life and interview others probably. Why talk show? I don't, I just see myself doing that. Okay. That's what I like see myself doing. Okay. So you be the new Sally Jesse Raphael. Yes. Yeah. Uh, for those of you younger listeners who <laughs> do not know who that is, uh, feel free to Google her. I actually don't know who it is. But you don't? No. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, never mind. Let's, I'll this Google. podcast I'll is get, over. No, no, no. It is over. <laughs> we can't do this. Oh man. I guarantee if you Googled her and you saw know. her, yeah. you would you would know. I will know. Okay. Um, so uh, you, you could be the next Ellen. Yes. So that that kind of uh, is a whole enterprise. Yes, that's uh, being Ellen would be my dream job, mm-hmm. but I'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because she always says at the end of the show, "Be nice." Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. She's not always the nicest person, especially in her show, The Game of Games. Yes. Uh, yeah, she's got a little narcissistic I tendency know, I know. going on there. At, at this current moment, do you have a plan to get to where you want to be? No, I guess I just constantly do comedy and work my day job. Hopefully that then I start to get noticed. I get a manager or an agent. Then I work with them on certain things. I get to be like a touring comedian. And then I have people that want to come see me. And then I then I would get a talk show. (laughs) I guess that's the plan. So in the shows that you have done thus far, what is the one show that really kind of was the pinnacle so far of your career as a comedian? Well, I actually went to Arkansas and did, I did it. Of all places. Of all places. (laughs) Can you imagine? Um, Because nothing's funny down there. I I know. Well, people don't realize how funny they are down there. I will be cracking up and people are like, what? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's just exactly the way you said that. Yeah. What? What? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I actually went to Arkansas and they they have like a Kansas arts festival. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've Mm -hmm. heard of it. But I pretty much pitched myself to them and did a 45-minute stand-up show that ended up selling out, and it was amazing, and that was, like, the best show ever. Okay. So what would then be the lowest point in your adult life slash career? Probably yesterday doing an open mic in the rain. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that would be difficult, I would that say. Was, uh, yeah, yeah, three minutes, three minutes wow. of comedy I, in the rain. I don't think I can say a sentence in three minutes. I know, I know. Yeah, let alone tell a good story yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that, that takes place there. So uh, I, I know with uh, I've, t- I've interviewed other comedians uh, that the pandemic really has put uh, a burden yeah. on performers and entertainers here. Uh, you said that you went and spent three months Mm -hmm. in Arkansas, not to be cliche, but how did that make you feel 
So I actually loved it. So I actually went, I had two events technically. So I had a bachelorette party and then in June and then a wedding in August. And I was supposed to leave after the bachelorette party. But then I was like, you know what? I'm like having fun here. I'm not going to leave yet. Week after week after week, I just kept putting it off. I had a blast there. A, I love driving. You can't drive here. Everything's just so hard in New York and in Arkansas is so easy. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't have a washer dryer here. I have to like go walk my clothes to the, you know, every single thing like takes so long. There's also, I found when I'm in New York, I have so much pressure. I put so much pressure on myself to like be successful that I can't really take nights off without either being upset with myself the next day or be taking it or being angry, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, I shouldn't have gone out and gotten drinks with those people. Like that didn't further my career at all. Whereas in Arkansas, it's like, there's no career here. It's just <laughs> me having a blast. Yeah. I can go to dinner all the time. I can go over to my friend's house and watch TV. I can like, you know, I work out in the morning and it's warm all the time. And yeah, so. So I'm going to guess you're probably 26, 27. I'm 27. Okay. Yeah. So. I, I didn't get married until I was 27. And, but I recall that period of time between like 23, 26. Yes. That all of my friends disappeared, got married, yes. had children. And then I was just, you know, out there. Yeah. And yeah. so did you experience that as well? I, I did, but I was always in New York when my friends are kind of getting married like now, like in the next two years. I'm about to have like 10 weddings oh, wow. coming up, but I was in New York and I kind of always thought I didn't really care. Do you know what I mean? Like right. it wasn't, you know, like I kind of left my friends. I was like, I'm in New York and you figure it out with your husband in Arkansas. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I'm, I mean, being still then, uh, if you were to stay at home uh, and then not have those relationships all of a sudden. Uh, that could put a, a great damper. That uh, would have been bad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and a lot of people, especially people who are pursuing a career, get into that type of situation where all of a sudden their friends are gone because now they're married and yeah. their wife or their husband's opinion matters way more than yours yeah, or totally. what you should want to do. Or that friend feels guilty that they shouldn't leave their husband or their wife at home while, you know, you go do whatever it is that that you want to do. So I I suppose um, you didn't know anybody in New York when you came back or when you came here from Utah. No, not really. Random, like a few random people from like college or a friend of a friend from home or something. So how did that adjust so that's never been an, unfortunately, I could make friends with that lamp. Like I, <laughs> I have too many friends. Like Let me I, write that down so we can discuss I that know. later. <laughs> yeah. So maybe I have, uh, what's it called when you talk to voices in your head? Um, no, I'm kidding. I have actually never had a problem making friends. That's, I've always had too many friends. It almost stresses me out. Right. Because I have like. So are you the friend though that everybody comes to when there's a problem? Yes, but not like full trust in me. Like I'm, they're not like calling me to get them out of jail, but they're like, they're like, I just took this huge test. Like who wants to go get a drink? It's going to be Stuart. Right. You know what I mean? Okay. But no one would trust me with like their life or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Why would you say that? Why? What gives you that in, inflection or thought that, that no one would trust you with their I life? I think that people think I'm a little, a little nutty, to be honest with you. I'm just a little like, I'm kind of like spontaneous. I kind of do what I want. I don't really like follow a set of like rules or like morals technically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and that with rules and morals kind of brings me back to the thought of, Growing up in a very strict household, and right. I'm going to say no TV, no candy is very strict. That's very strict, very right? Strict. Yeah, uh, especially in that time of growing up in the '90s. Yeah, was when it was like put cartoons right. on. And, yeah, a- absolutely. And even you know, with the no candy, that is more prevalent now, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed 
to then, but now we have more people who yeah, are vegan people, and mm-hmm. which they've always been there. They just weren't as apt to tell yeah. you because, <laughs> you know, they were weird if, if they were that way. Um, so was there any religious affiliation within that strict yes. confines? My mom actually has never missed a Sunday of church ever. Like even never. We went to church all the time. I I went to church definitely every Sunday and then there would be like camps in the summer or whatever. And then when I got to high school, actually, I was at church like five days a week. Like mm-hmm. we would have like Bible study one day, like girls group one day. Wednesday was one thing. And then like yeah. if the doors were open and the cleaning lady was there, you were in the church. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And I actually really, I'm, I'm not a religious person, but I actually loved going to church all the time. It was the same as like high school to me. It was mm-hmm. like me cracking jokes in the corner and like getting attention, a way to get attention. But in that, did you find that your mother was more aggressive in church if you were cracking jokes or so she was never there so gotcha. we went to different churches yeah. so that's the only reason you, yeah. you went there <laughs> yeah. was was an escape yeah uh so w- what do you think if you just kind of had to reflect back why do you think that your parents were as strict as they were I really don't know. I think my mom, I don't think my dad was strict. I think he was just kind of doing whatever my mom said. I think my mom is very, like, I think my mom must have, and again, we don't really talk about it. I think she must have gone through a pretty rough childhood. I know she, like, moved around a lot. Her whole family works in, like, rodeo and, like, horses and stuff. So I think she was, I think she probably had a really unstable childhood, really cared about appearances, and wanted us to just be like perfect kids. I also think she wanted kids, but she didn't want anything older than like five. She wanted children, but she didn't want children. Yes. And even to this day, she's like obsessed with like, she'll like order storybooks. And when me and my sister were in town recently, she like wanted to read us a storybook. And I was like, this is so creepy. Like we are adults, but she like can't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like she literally made us, and I was just like laughing the whole time and like filming her doing it. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> so, but do you think that may be part of the teacher? Was she an elementary school she was, teacher? Yeah. She was, well, she was actually a middle school teacher, but she definitely wished she was an elementary school teacher. Yeah. I really don't know why she was so strict. I think. So, how do you think that affected your adult life? Do you feel like. You rebelled, but then you were okay with it? Or were was there ever a point where there was guilt and shame of, I probably shouldn't do this, but it feels so good? Yeah. And then it kind of gotten to a point of where you just didn't care anymore. Yeah, I feel like I rebel. I rebel by, like, you know, continuing to do stand-up, which she definitely doesn't approve of, and, you know, being kind of crazy and, like, telling funny stories all the time. I feel like I rebel in that way. I don't really know. Um, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> did you did you get to a point of where there were guilt and shame within your rebellion? Oh yeah, not really. I always like kind of love the attention. I mm-hmm. guess is the okay. is the truth of it all. So let's talk about relationships outside of your family, boyfriends. Yes. Uh, what kind of troubles did you have there? Because I would only assume that there was this difference of perspective of how things should be. 100%. I actually have a boyfriend now. I've been with him for three years and we live together. Before that- Which your mom probably despises. So actually she doesn't mind. She probably cares that we live together. Like when we go to Arkansas, we can't sleep in the same room. But is it that she doesn't mind because- She's not having to try to support you in any way because it's easier. Well, or... that's I'm like, if you're going to pay my rent, then I won't live with a boyfriend, but <laughs> you're not. So, right, right. So, she really likes him though. Okay. So, tell me about that relationship. Uh, as far as how did you kind of work to level that out and find some normalcy? It's always a struggle. I feel like, well, because he grew up with, like, two, like, happily married parents. I mean, slight, like, his dad's kind of an alcoholic, so he kind of gets it. But 
Definitely when he, I, I think meeting my family, he was like, oh my God, this is nuts. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a daily struggle. I'm always like, I feel like I have very, I mean, my parents were never happy. So I feel like I always am like trying to be happy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm always worried that I'm going to turn into my mom and be like nagging and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Well, I mean, that that would be a reasonable fear. Yeah. Uh, but at this point in your life, it's probably not going to happen. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, Not That's unless good. something major just yeah. takes place. But you are redheaded, so. You, you never know, know. Anything could happen, you right? You never know. Anything could happen. Did you know I was reading this study that uh, when when people who have red hair go under anesthesia for surgery, that they have to have more? They they need more, yeah. yeah. It's just crazy. It's supposed to also mean that I have like a high pain tolerance, but yes. I actually don't. I have a yeah. really low pain tolerance, so yeah. I don't know. It, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> who knows? If you have to look at your life as a whole, what would you say the biggest failure or disappointment outside of your father's death has happened to you? Does it count if I'm like, oh, well, I'm not really successful yet and I wanted to be by now? Yeah. 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 Okay. I guess I would say that. Okay. But then asking a question earlier, you don't really have a plan you don't think uh, I you on think how to get there. Do you think I need to have a bigger plan? Absolutely. Wow. A goal without a plan is just a dream and dreams rarely come true. Wow. So I need to be more like proactive. Like, more like strategic. Like I okay. Absolutely. Okay. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um and, and you know, that's that's kind of the thing. Uh, change cannot happen until a change occurs. Mm-hmm. We can make plans all the time, but if we don't initiate that plan, uh, then that goal is worthless. Yeah. Uh, there's a quote, and I'm probably going to butcher this, but it says that the nail is only as strong as the wood that it's yeah. nailed into. So our goals are only as solid as the plan is that we yeah. put it into. Uh, so if you if your plans are, you know, very loose, then there's nothing solid. Yeah. And so that puts us then in this, it's almost that we do this to protect ourselves though. Yeah. Because if we have a plan, then we see our failure. That's how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. And so what actually should happen is that that failure should drive us to do it better. Right. Uh, you know, there's an acronym for fail, first attempt in learning. Yeah. And so when we look at a failure, a lot of times we say, well, this was just a horrible experience and I, I've lost and I've done this and I've done that. I mainly hear this in marriage. I've been married for 15 years and we're getting a divorce. And this was just, he he took 15 years of my life yeah. away from me. No, he didn't. Yeah. You learned something in those 15 years. You are bringing something into yeah. a new relationship that you have earned. Yeah. Um, a badge of honor, if you will, to to know what to expect, what not to expect, but also know what not to put up with mm-hmm. to get it to that point. And I think a lot of people look at failure as being final, you know, that, you know, we just, we can't do it. And so, so many people are so scared to have a plan simply because they will have to visualize their failure. Yeah. Uh, but there's also this this thought, and, and I would say it was a fact, but, you know, there's really no facts when it comes to psychology. But we have found that people who have a plan B always fail at plan A. Yeah. Because they always know they have something to fall back on. Yeah. And so they're preeminently assuming they're going to fail. And so we we got to be careful to not fall into that trap either to make make sure that our plans are are strictly where they're supposed to be. What would you tell someone who maybe in college right now that that has an interest in uh, in performing arts, uh, musical theater? What would your word of advice to them, or even to yourself, have been while you were in university? I would definitely say don't get student loans because those can ruin your life. And then I would say to, I don't really know. I guess I would say 
I don't think you have to go to college. I think just like moving to New York and just putting your nose to the grindstone Mm -hmm. is a better plan. Yeah. And quit if you don't really, really enjoy it because it's every day is like a struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, so many times it seems like we settle. Yeah. You know, that, yeah, this is kind of what I want to do, but not really. But, and, and it's almost like we devalue yeah. what we really want to be. And we sit and think, you know, I, I just can never achieve that. A friend of mine who, uh, she says, I'm like a son to her. The feelings aren't always reciprocal, but, you know, uh, I have my mom and I love my mother. Uh, she said this morning, she sent me a text and she said, did you ever think growing up in small town Arkansas that you would be in New York City recording your very own podcast? And I was like, absolutely not. No way. And I'm still not sure that it's actually happening. Yeah. Like this could all be a big dream. Yeah. You know, I might wake up and and this just all be be crazy. But I have found throughout the years that our idea of what is going to make us happy isn't what ultimately makes yeah. us happy. And we've got to be willing to accept those changes and shifts yeah. in, in what we enjoy and and what we do. So this is going to then lead into Doc Talks DX, uh, which we have uh, on, I always say it wrong, Patreon. 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 Yes. <laughs> so being from Arkansas, I want to say Patron, Patron. which is not what <laughs> that is. is. Yes. Uh, so follow us over there uh, to to hear the continuation of the story where we're going to talk about Stewart's problems. <gasps> I can't wait. We're going to talk about Stewart's problems in just a little teaser. She's not the problem. So follow us over there. Where can people find you, Stuart? You can follow me or on Instagram. I'm at Stuart and Chill. You can. I actually have a podcast of my own. It's called Staying Humble with Stu. It's really fun. We talk like pop culture and how celebrities need to stay humble. Mm-hmm. Um, and on Twitter, I am also Stuart and Chill. All right. So you can find her there. We will make sure to put uh, all of her information in the description of this podcast. Uh, of course, I'm Doc Brian. You can find me at thedocbrian.com. Uh, we're here on the Be Frank Network. Make sure to follow us into Doc Talks DX. And we appreciate you doing that. Stuart, once again, thank you for being here with us today. And uh, looking forward to get into this nitty gritty of, of what's going on in your life. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. All right. Thank you, guys. Goodbye.